Before we jump into today's topic, a quick disclaimer. The stories and data we share come from the states that we practice in and the experiences that we personally had, which can differ greatly across our country and certainly the globe. This is not a professional advice show. So let's get comfy and talk about death. Hello and welcome to Mort Mike. A down-to-earth discussion on death and dying. I'm Brandy. I'm Sierra. And I'm Red, and we're your corrupt crime scene constables. Oh my god, besties, do I have some tea to spill for you? Brandy, Sierra, all of our rubbernecking listeners, get on your cozy gym jams, pour a glass of wine, and get ready for some scandalous kikis, because today we're going to be reviewing some of the worst of the worst, the funeral homes, cemeteries, and death-adjacent companies and corpos that have sullied the name of death care workers around the world. And boy, do we have a slew of slag for you to gawk at. Why don't you get us started on this hot goss, Brandy? Oh my god, absolutely. That was such a beautiful intro. <laughs> I love Slay. that. I had to tap into some like valley girl. <laughs> yeah, I was super into personality. it. I was I'm... definitely here for it. I was like, oh, I do that. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounded like I just want, I could have listened to you say shit for an hour. That was great. All right. Well, so on the pod, I have talked about a lot of the good parts of tissue donation. And in my opinion, if the facility is going about it correctly, there isn't really much of a bad side. Uh, but in 2005, the FDA did shut down biomedical tissue services for illegally harvesting the body parts of deceased individuals. Oh, if you, gasp. Yeah, it's not, not good stuff. So uh, if you've been listening closely, you know that harvest is not really a word that we use in donation because it has a lot of negative connotations. But I feel really comfortable to use it uh, because this is not this is not your your good side of donation. So biomedical tissue services headed by Dr. Michael Mastro Marino, which that's a name. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was waiting for him to like start twisting his little mustache, you know, and hear a little like. (laughs) I literally see Megamind in my (laughs) (laughs) when I when I see his name now. So, oh but God. you know, Megan Megamind has a redemption arc, but we don't have to get into that. That's a different podcast. Megamind's kind of hot. I'm throwing that out there. <laughs> oh my God, Stan. what no bitches? <laughs> <laughs> unpopular opinion, definitely. Huge no, what unpopular? Oh, I mm, guess popular opinion. Yeah, yeah. There we go. There we go. Well, so Doctor Megamind <laughs> was not calling families <laughs> to ask about patient medical history or asking for permission to recover parts of their loved ones. They pretty much ignored every single standard that the AATB, the American Association for Tissue Banking, sets. Not that they had really taken the time to get accredited anyway. So they would recover after a significant period of time past the 24 hours that the AATB sets standard for. Yeah, and there's a lot of really good reasons for that. They were setting up illegal contracts with funeral homes 
some for like a thousand dollars per body what so like the funeral homes were getting paid for the bodies mm-hmm. that is not a th- so for anybody out there that is not a thing <laughs> no no so and then oh my God. they would be going to their facility and using it and then i can't even imagine what their reimbursement on the this tissue was if they were able to pay a thousand dollars per body like I don't know some some shady stuff. What a side hustle! <laughs> this this seemed to be his main hustle, and he was super super. Oh about no! It. <laughs> he was doing this to a lot of people, unfortunately. Uh, so they would use these funeral homes, go there, use the facility to do a potentially not sterile recovery, which is required by the AATB. Like, just to butt in, uh, to help everybody out there understand how unsterile a funeral home prep room is anywhere in, in the funeral home. Like, yeah, I mean, we clean the tables after we embalm, but it's, what, you're bleaching it, but you're splattering stuff all over the place. I Ugh. mean, you're probably still touching the tables with dirty gloves after you cleaned it. Like, it is so, so far from a clean OR that you would want it to be. Like, so far from. Yeah, and bleach is, like, the... We would never, ever, ever use that in tissue because that's going into another person and that's a toxic chemical to tissue, you know? So right. the, the chemicals that are used are not correct to clean. The facility doesn't have the requirements. You know, uh, there's a big long list when you do any tissue case that says this is what the the OR looks like. It had good ventilation. It had adequate lighting. It had proper drainage. Like, and none of those things are really available in a funeral home. And funeral home prep rooms all have open drains, mm-hmm. which is an immediate no. We cannot have an open drain to do a recovery. What? Wait, why no open drains? Is it like things could come back up through them or like (laughs) well (laughs) well because they're not what's going down into them isn't Uh sterile we can't sterilize oh that type of like after everything goes through it okay Mm -hmm. i'm with you yeah. So one of the funeral homes that I worked for, um, they had a, an open drain uh, in the prep room. And because we were next to a gas station, like gas, you can kind of smell gas fumes sometimes Stop. coming up from there. No. Yeah. No, it's just like there's all sorts of bad shit that comes out of those drains, man. What the hell? I never even. Oh, my God. Okay. I've never even thought about that. I was just like, mm, things go down the drain, you know, like itsy bitsy spider. Here he comes, I guess. With all his germs. If that were to back up from like the direct sewer, like, the, oh God. Oh, oh Lord. The terrible things that would come out of that train. Oh, oh my seriously. God. I can't Yikes. even imagine. Well, so luckily all of the tissue that was recovered and distributed by BTS was recalled. But that doesn't mean that some of those graphs weren't used beforehand because they were falsifying everything. There were no calls to family. (gasps) There were no. So uh, in tissue, you have to have filled out the DRE, which is the donor risk assessment interview. Mm -hmm. It's a 40 question questionnaire that all questions need to be answered. Yes, no, or you know, not applicable, essentially. And these were not being conducted. People were signing off that they conducted him. P- employees of uh, Dr. What is it? I can't even remember it. Megamind. Who Meg- role was it? <laughs> Mastro Marino, Dr. Megamind. So yeah, no, no standards 
were practiced whatsoever. Uh, and unfortunately, because those falsified documents were used to verify that the tissue was okay, some individuals got tissue that was not recovered correctly. So yeah. when it- I, I have a question. Mm-hmm. How do you recall, uh, like, donated tissue? Like, if you already put it on somebody, do you have to have them come back in and you're just like, sorry, this was wrong, and you just, like, <laughs> just rip, rip it, it off? off. <laughs> or, like, you know what I mean? Like, or, or were these, like, recalls before they were used? <laughs> so, you like, know? Some, some of the stuff, so some donors can create hundreds of tissue graphs. Yeah. So sometimes they sit on a shelf for a while. Okay. Uh, cardiovascular tissue usually has about like a year until it expires. Oh, that's but, sick. Yeah, but the rest of tissue, depending on how it was uh, preserved or processed, better better word is processed, uh, it can be on the shelf for like five years. Okay. Sometimes more. So, yeah, so... So it's not like these were just in there. Yeah, but then other other people who had got graphs or who had received graphs, they kind of have to just monitor it. I don't think that, oh, like... okay. I mean, it would probably be, like, more of an elective surgery to go in and get, like, a tissue graft replaced that was oh. doing well. But, mm-hmm. like, there was somebody yeah. who had an Achilles... Uh, that came from BTS there it got infected I believe or it just said it failed is what it said um so she got a replacement but that was because the tendon failed um other people had bad infections uh one woman went into septic shock because of this craft and eventually paralysis oh no uh some individuals contracted HIV and hepatitis <gasps> C or syphilis. So, you know, it's just, it, it wasn't correctly done. <laughs> and uh, 10,000 people received graphs from BTS. Holy shit. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. That's and a these, fuck ton. These are like just the instances that, yeah, that I could find that were popping out at me, but I'm sure there's plenty of other failed graphs. Yeah, Jesus Christ, dude. I hope that they got massive, massive jail time for this. Like, they better not be on the streets right now. He had uh, to have been, like, he had to have been able to afford a really good lawyer, though, right? Like, if he's getting $1,000 a body, 10,000 people received the graphs, and then there were already true. a whole bunch of other, like, samples and stuff, because I'm assuming most of them, like, weren't used, right? Dude, this guy has to have, like, millions, right? Yeah, he absolutely was uh, raking it. And it didn't seem like he had a lot of employees. I could only find record of three employees that worked for them. And one that was like noted to have ever spoken to news outlets or anything. And that person just basically said, yeah, I signed off on it because that's what he told me to do. Oh shit! They did get jail time. I believe that Mastro Marino died of bone cancer <laughs> yay that's karma oh karma Isn't what that? a beautiful thing bone cancer Ah, oh, wild uh but i really really just want to point out how badly this all had to fail for this to happen and how played the system really got so first mastro marino had to get a business license and he did in the state of new york then he had to set up contracts with tissue banks forging his accreditation to the AATB. Then he had to set up contracts with local funeral homes to use their facility as an operating room, essentially tricking these funeral homes because they're like, 
oh yeah, I've heard of tissue donation. Oh, that's what you need to do it. You know, and just kind of promising them money kind of works, especially in, you know, sometimes in the funeral industry, depending on the funeral directors that, that own it. Uh, and then he had to find willing employees to forge authorization paperwork from families. And these employees also needed to be willing to dissect human tissue from those same unauthorized donors. It's it's absolutely That's madness. a lot of forethought into this. That's not like a, oops, I slipped and forged documents. That's like a, <laughs> hmm, you know what would be a good idea? Let's start stealing the skin off people. Yeah. And sell it. We're definitely going to see this theme come up a lot, but it's it's crazy. Like when you look at, look at all of these things, it's, got, it's a laundry list. But if you look at each individual thing, it's probably not as hard as it sounds to do some of this stuff. So like yeah. with, with the local funeral homes, like, oh, we just know that there's that that's the person that you go to when you need to do like tissue or whole body donation. And like you just assume to trust them. Like I've never even been to our local ones to tour until very recently. And I've been practicing for like eight years. Like and yeah, there is like they just started to do a kickback for funeral homes, um, but only for like embalming costs. Like it's to offset like all of the work that funeral homes had to do extra to embalm like a donate like a tissue donor body. So like some of these things, like they're almost right. Almost. And so they're like they're treading that just really fine line of believability to get through some of this shit, which is like ah, it's it, it is, but it's still fucking madness. There's so many rules. Yeah. Like for them to be able to dodge around them like that is uh, astronomically crazy so i have kind of a weird question um just because like i had been in like the you know the mortgage and the real estate world and kickbacks are a a super no-no you know what i mean right um like you can't give anything of monetary value sure people do of course right they're like oh my god let me take you out to dinner and then all of a sudden you're at you know i don't know somebody's steakhouse um but like is that are there like a lot of rules and stuff in like the funeral industry? Um, because like we've got like crazy federal ones. Like you, you have I don't know ten thousand dollar fines for a five dollar Starbucks gift card. Yeah, there's there's definitely things in place. So like with our our local tissue donation um operation, they so people can't like come to us and then we say oh go to go to this uh, tissue donation place like oh, donate okay. like your loved one to them and then we can get the money. Like yeah, it doesn't even get to come through us. And like even past that, like I'm not allowed to accept gifts from families. Like it's looked frowned upon for that. And like that one seems seems weird uh, yeah they actually whenever we get mail uh they open it to make sure that we didn't get anything in the mail from families <laughs> so well, we that's good you know <laughs> just in case they send like i don't know what was it they were sending in the mail back in the 90s i was not like arsenic or like <laughs> yeah. whatever <laughs> i guess somebody else gets to take that one for you they don't <laughs> want me to have my starbucks gift card from a family that's whatever wow <laughs> well, so what do they do with the confiscated stuff do they just they just put it in their call the families and want them to have it back Oh, yeah. that's less exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's whoever's opening cool. the mail is like, you know, having a pocketing it. day. <laughs> like, mm, I get to live off of Starbucks. Well, since uh, since we're on track with funeral homes, <laughs> let me tell you guys a few stories that I was able to uh, to look up. So let us uh, go over into the metro areas of Michigan. And as if poor Detroit didn't need any more negative PR 2018 was a really bad couple of years uh, for a few negligent funeral homes in that area. 
So we'll start with Cantrell Funeral Home. It was uh, shut down in early 2018 by some city inspectors due to deplorable conditions. In a week that services were actually still scheduled for client families, there were two bodies found decomposing in their care center with mold beginning to grow on them. Ugh. Another deceased had been there for like four months awaiting payment for funeral services before disposition was happening, while four embalmed and casketed bodies were being stored in the garage. In total, 21 bodies were being improperly stored there. Later, after doors had shuttered, state inspectors were given a tip via a phone call that corpses were being hidden in Cantrell Funeral Home. No. <laughs> Jump scare. Yeah, right? <laughs> wow. It wasn't until their second inspection, uh, after an additional anonymous typed letter giving detailed instructions on where to find these bodies was dropped off, that they found 11 stillborns and month-old <gasps> babies tucked away in a hidden crawl space in the ceiling like what kind oh, that place is horror haunted, movie period. right <laughs> like that's that's it that's crazy like you literally can't even make this crap up and um these these little ones had been stored there for some pretty extensive lengths of time some even going back as far as like 10 years some had been embalmed while others were actually completely mummified the local county medical examiner took custody of the remains in attempts to identify them. Some had labels still from the hospital that they came from, uh, which actually helped assist in finding the lo- in locating the next of kin. But to top it all off, 220 unattended cremated remains were found in the building as well, some not even being located until the new building owner discovered them during construction after they had purchased the lot and the building on it. Shut up. These were released to another local funeral home, uh, Verheiden, that took over the responsibility of trying to locate the next of kin and bring them home. There's actually some like news reports on it that they like are showing the employees trying to just sort through all this crap. And there was just there were like they cast- find them? some, some, some of them. That's ugh. <laughs> not all though. But what they ended up doing, actually, for the ones that they couldn't find homes for, uh, they just filled caskets with the unclaimed cremated remains, and they were put to rest at Mount Olivet Cemetery, and then uh, for the veterans, the Great Lakes National Cemetery. And it was actually, it was really sweet. They actually had like a little, um, like a 45-minute ceremony with uh, different religions being honored there. So they had different like clergy members from different religions to say like prayers over all these cremated remains before they were uh, buried out at those cemeteries. That's so awesome. That's yeah. good that they did that. It was it was nice to see that like uh, a funeral home, like a reputable funeral home, stepped up to be able to take care of these things uh, for these families because like obviously when something this massive happens, um, like at the entire community's like belief and trust in funeral homes goes like down the fucking drain. So like the fact that they stepped in and said like to, and to know, I mean they didn't make money off of this, you know, like they're donating all of these things, all these time and services into this uh, to be able to to take care of these things. So like that was really really cool to see them do that. But something I did want to mention, like while I was reading through this story, something that's actually a huge problem, uh, even in funeral homes that I worked at, is unclaimed cremated remains. So like uh, some people, they just they don't come back. After you make arrangements and they paid and you do the cremation, sometimes they just they just don't come back. They don't answer their phones. Um, we've actually even had like police come by and drop off cremated remains. They found like when a, like a couple uh, had bought a house and they just found oh my God. cremated remains in the closet and they didn't oh. know what to do with them. Guys, I feel like I forgot something when we moved out. 
Grandpa! Get Grandpa! Oh, no! Uh, He was tucked in the back of the closet for 12 years. Listen, you know, I used to think that that was, like, ridiculous, and there's no way that that would ever happen. Like, how could you do that to a family member? But my, my opa has been in my Nana's shoe closet up in the top little bit for, like, three years now. Like, nobody's done anything about it. She's like, oh, he's happy there. He paid for me to have a walk-in closet. He can enjoy it, you know? Oh, my so, God. Like, wow. I can't judge. She's part of the problem. She won't, even, no. she won't even put him in the, like, living room or anything. She's like, I mean, at least she has him, though. He's not. He's not there. He's dead, you know? Yeah, we're supposed to, like, go and, like, spread his ashes out in Wyoming and stuff, but because my whole entire family has ADHD and can't find free time, (laughs) nobody's done it, so he's just been, you know, hanging out with Nana and her little uh, loafers. But no, that's that's actually, like, a really common story. Like, they they drilled that into my head um, with funeral directing stuff of, like it's not enough just to make arrangements with somebody for cremation. Like we have to kind of like ask like, Hey, so what are your plans for the cremated remains? Because like this will happen where somebody will just hold on to someone's cremated remains. And then like the, the spouse will die. And then like it goes to the kids and the kids don't do anything with it. And then like the kids will die and like the grandchildren are less likely to do stuff. Like they, they keep passing through generations to people that barely knew these people and they like don't really know or honestly care to do anything with the cremated remains. So it, it does happen. Like it, it really does. I actually, um, I was tasked once uh, at one of the funeral homes I worked for uh, to try to call and email and like mail, like Mm -hmm. snail mail notifications to families to try to pick up their loved ones. Because there was like, we had a huge closet full of these cremated remains. Oh my God. Yeah. Huge from like years. What, what happens for like, are they literally every single cremated remain that has ever been left there? What, what happens after 20 30 years right no because some of these were old like old as shit like the labels were like uh, brown and like curling and stuff and and, and yet again not all of them were ours like some had been like dead dropped to us you know Mm -hmm. so like we tried to go through our records and that was awful uh going through like years tens of decades of uh records trying to find this stuff calling them phone numbers are usually not working anymore can't find emails we tried the mail a lot of them would get returned to us um like saying this is not this person doesn't live at this address anymore um so like there is there is a length of time like legally there is a length of time that is set forth that if there's like no call no shows like that after a certain amount of time you can do that thing like verheiden did for that one Mm -hmm. um that that one situation where like yeah you can eventually just inter them at a local cemetery or whatever because uh, like a lot of cemeteries do have like crypts for that just like unclaimed cremated remains or unknown people and stuff like that so yeah like that that's kind of what we were doing we were doing one last last ditch effort to contact people before we ended up going that route that's wild so okay so you guys have like the kind of like unknown dead people zones like what do you do when they get full you just start another one like i feel yeah. like you can fit a lot of cremated know. remains in a crypt, like oh, a shit ton. Oh, that's true, yeah. I, I just, I feel like, I don't know, if they're cremated already and, like, nobody's claiming them, you might as well just, you know, maybe scatter them. them out, scatter <laughs> them. Well, I think, even though legally it's within their rights, um, I think there's still kind of, like, uh, 
just in case, like no one wants to get sued type of thing. Oh, that makes more sense. Yeah. I was like, that seems like a lot of storage for. It seems that way, but a lot of people definitely like would want to err on the side of caution because they actually, if if one of the cemeteries for uh, near a funeral home I used to work, work for that did this, um, if somebody were to come and say, oh, that was my loved one, like they would open up the crypt and like give that person back to their loved one, like they that no charge or whatever, minimum charge. So like that was just in case because it does happen that people will come back like yeah. I was in the hospital for some reason for t- two years and my phone got destroyed in a car crash and no one could find me or like just weird extenuating yeah. circumstances oh, so who knows you know so a lot of them are on the side of caution on that for sure yeah that's what happens to all my tinder dates is they they just lose <laughs> their phones and like disappear off the face of the planet so <laughs> I get they're, it no they're going to get grandma's cremains I appreciate your honesty Sierra <laughs> So if all of that wasn't enough for you, wait, wait, there's more. Just like any good infomercial, wait, there's more. I'm buckled in. So the so the community of Detroit was super like on high alert after all this. Super distrusting of any local funeral homes. And Perry Funeral Home was the next to face the music. This time it was the family that had their infant passed that tipped off the police. They were actually already in a civil suit with Perry over um, their improper burial of the baby, and oh. Cantrell's fall fueled this fire even harder. Like, basically, this suit was happening, Cantrell's uh, funeral home went down, and so the family was like, oh, oh, we're, we're hitting this even harder because we know that you sons of a guns are fucking shit up back there. So they ended up um, executing a search warrant, and to much dismay, the remains of 63 fetuses <gasps> were located on the premises of Perry. That's a lot. 36 were found stored in boxes and the remainder in freezers. Why? Yeah. That's so bad. <laughs> the funeral home was immediately shut down, thank God. You didn't think it could get worse. It, oh, yeah. And boy, does it. Like, I can't, I can't believe hearing these stories. Like, this is nightmare fuel for even funeral directors. Like, knowing what we do on a daily basis and, like, how does this shit get so far away from you? You know what I mean? So for a few of these stillborns, the funeral home had claimed to families that they had been properly disposed of, and they even cited it on the death certificates and supporting documents, just to have them turned up, stuffed in a box during this investigation. Oh my god. So there was a local uh, college, Wayne State University, and they, they actually got roped into the investigation as well. So home to Michigan's only mortuary science school. Wayne State had an arrangement with Perry that the uh, Perry Funeral Home would store infants and adult remains in the Mortuary Science School's cooler until they were able to properly be cremated or interred because Perry just didn't have the space. If the cases were indigent and passed through proper legal channels, they would actually be able to release these bodies to the program to be used as cadavers uh, during the Mortuary Science programs like embalming labs and anatomy labs so Mm. their students can like study. But upon discovery of the improper fetal storage, uh, Wayne State University immediately cut ties with Perry, like just immediately dropped them, which, I mean, rightfully so. It's the right right thing to do. (laughs) Um, But it actually eventually surfaced that the dean of the program had reached out three times to Perry over the years about this improper storage they were doing in the college's cooler because they they would overpack the storage trays with multiple bodies, which, I mean, of course, is... That's dangerous to staff. That's dangerous to students and like is super undignified for the deceased. So eventually, after reaching out to them, like that that practice ceased. But all in all, the, the violations found from the investigation into Perry's negligence culminated in <clears throat> p- 
possession of 54 of the infant remains that were not authorized by next of kin. 39 of the remains had been at the funeral home for over 60 or even 180 days. 42 death certificates were filed that the remains had been disposed of at cemeteries while they still remained at the funeral home. And many, many more. But the big one, which, if I can put my detective hat on, is the main motive. Charging Medicaid and medical centers for services for the disposal of these remains that were never actually disposed of. Oh, mm-hmm. There it Mon- is. Money. <laughs> wow. Okay. See, I had I had a theory. I had a theory. And I was like, oh, shit. Is it like they're keeping the stillborns for like stem cell research and selling them off and doing crazy shit for like, I don't know. Like, the celebrities that are going to rejuvenate their Botox faces or something. Like, I I had a tinfoil hat on, but money makes a little bit more sense. (laughs) Only a little. To think about it, so, like, in in larger cities with, like, a lot of different, like, so in Detroit, there were, like, a bunch of children's hospitals and stuff in, like, in Detroit and the surrounding areas. Yeah. Uh, So when they have those larger cities with that many children's hospitals, you're going to get a lot of stillborns, uh, a lot of baby deaths. And definitely uh, a lot of families that can't afford to do anything to take care of those funeral mm-hmm. arrangements. So the funeral homes that I've worked with have like a no cost policy to cremate stillborns or like severely reduced costs for babies. But I imagine that Perry had some sort of like contract with some of the local hospitals to dispose of fetuses and babies of these like poverty stricken families. So they got a little kickback from the hospital for doing this disposal. I feel like that's definitely got to be where this is coming from. Yeah. yeah. That makes the most sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That is so unfortunate. The bummer was, though, I, w- I really wasn't able to find any updated news on what happened to all these fetuses. So I, I really, really hope that things turned out okay for, for them and, of course, for their, their families that are yeah. grieving after this. So thoughts going out to those people. Absolutely. So, Sierra, have you brought anything to the Kiki today? Oh, my God. I am full of Kiki 24-7. <laughs> um. <laughs> And today I have brought us an ongoing news story, actually. Um, so it's kind of exciting. Ooh, we need like a breaking news sound or something. Breaking news! Jackson, Mississippi. Man, are they known for things. Um, not normally as good of things as I would personally hope. And this is just adding on to the list. Uh, most recently, um, it was back in uh, Hines County Jail just had 215 bodies buried in their their backyard basically um where they were unclaimed uh and they were unmarked graves so you know like how do you suddenly just find 215 people like buried out there right uh actually there was an investigation into this gentleman his name was dexter wade uh he died back in march 2023 when he was fatally hit by a police officer Hmm. And it wasn't until a couple months later, like, his family filed a missing police report. They were like, hey, we can't find our boy. Like, I don't know where he (laughs) is. Um, And he, his potty turned up in the unmarked graves. And when they went back through to figure out, like, how did he end up there um, on the, you know, filings and everything, it said that the police reached out to the next of kin but they were unreachable, hmm. which is kind of crazy because this dude was married. He had kids. Like, it's not that he did not have a family. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, so, obviously, the family is pretty upset about it. Uh, so, they hired a lawyer. Um, there's activists all getting into this, you know. 
they started going through all the bodies and everything. I, the, the grave itself, or like, I guess the graveyard is what you would call it. It's, it's like a, it's pronounced poppers. Yeah, the poppers graveyard. graveyard. So it's basically, yeah, yeah. You know, people who can't like afford a proper burial or like don't want to do anything off site or you can't get a hold of somebody, they, they end up there, right? Um, but apparently a whole bunch of people who had other options also ended up there. So, hmm. you know, they're, they're not sure if this was like, well, actually, they know for sure that this was not a one-time situation, um, and it looks like this has been happening for a while, actually, um, even with people who, like, were in the jail itself at, like, Hines County. Uh, you know, they, they passed away, and instead of reaching out to next of kin, oh, no, they just end up in the graveyard. What the fuck? Um, the other issue with the graveyard itself, too, is that they're not being embalmed, and they're just getting buried back there Mm -hmm. so you're having a whole bunch of issues with like scavengers and like birds of prey coming in and kind of like fucking up the graves dude yeah the horror movie yeah it's insane like ah, you know what i mean imagine you're like driving through and all of a sudden you can like smell it Uh, people were describing it like you could smell it from off the road um there's just like a ton of like oh like the body farm (laughs) yeah people talk about how you can smell the body farms from miles away yep and they were like talking about how there's always buzzards flying over there and stuff and like none of the dead were like handled with dignity and it's just like it's this insane. is wild, wild west shit. Like, yeah, but in Mississippi, and it's twenty fucking twenty twenty four. Like, are you kidding? Well, and the fucked up thing is, so we actually we did do an episode, however long ago, where we mentioned like poppers graves, because like that is that that is still a thing that happens. Like, there are places that are meant for people that are indigent that don't have money that are being buried, and there's but there's ways to do it, and there's records and documentations of every single one of them. Like, there's specific things that have to be met to even go into a pauper's grave. Exactly. So the fact that there's just like a bunch of mysterious burials out there, like yeah. Oh my so they've God. been. So the worst thing, too, is that a lot of these, they're not, like, technically unmarked, but they have, like, a stick with a number, right? Yeah. Um, so people are, like, finding their loved ones. Um, I think for the the actual, like, press release and everything that happened, there was about, like, 15 to 20 families that were affected by this um, that were there, and they were, like, holding up, like, pictures of their, like, loved ones and the, you know, people that, like, died and stuff. And the, the county jail... <sighs> This is so this is so fucked up. It, like, makes me angry. Um, even though they did not reach out to them and they put them in that grave, is telling the people that if they want to dig them up and move them, that it's They're going gonna to cost them, them money. Don't you yes. say they make... Yep. Oh. That they have to pay for no. it. No. I'm going to make freaking lose it, dude. Yeah. So it's like... That's evil. Like, are you kidding? Like, you did this. And they're like, well, you didn't pick up the phone. And it's like, hold on. First of all, I know you didn't do your due diligence because if you just do like one or two phone calls, who picks up an unknown number? You know what I mean? Like, unless you're leaving me like six different voicemails or like sending me snail mail or something or coming to my house, I'm, I'm ignoring you. You know what I mean? Well, shit, it's just like what we were saying earlier. Like, yeah, we could have technically, legally, like, done whatever with those cremated remains after a certain amount of time, but we held on to them because shit happens. Like, we should definitely try reaching out more than just those few times. Like, fuck, man. Yeah. There was, um, there was, like, a ton of allegations, too, that this was, like, um, racially driven, um, mm. which they, they can't really use, um, just because there's, like, a ton of different types of people 
Mm -hmm. Um, It's more so just if you were poor. They basically were just like, "Eh, you know, nobody picked up. Fuck it. Full send, you know. It just seems like laziness at that point. It is. That absolutely is. It's laziness. And then also, you know, there's the whole idea of like, are the are the, you know, Jackson police, like, in on this, you know? Because, like, it, it only happened, like, this only, like, came to because this guy was fatally hit by a police officer. And they kind of were like, oh, no, we don't know this guy. There was this whole entire part, too, where they were like, yeah, we couldn't figure out who he was. Um, but the medical examiner that, like, declared him dead and everything was like, I literally handed you his ID out of his wallet, out of his pants. Like, how how could you not and like that was part of the court thing and like so it's like are they trying to get the cops like out of trouble or is this like just laziness on top of that and it's like a whole ordeal they just don't want to take accountability it's crazy damn dude and on that note (laughs) yeah yeah, sorry sorry to end that one on such a as it's as it's ongoing you know we'll we'll give you updates and stuff probably not but you you guys should look into it it is the heinz county jail yeah get your own updates yeah 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 no i'm just kidding but i'm not kidding Well, all of those other folks out there sitting in on our little gossip session, don't go too far. Next month, we're going to be continuing this little escapade of ours with even more down and dirty stories to share with you. So for today, we bid you adieu, but wait until next month. We'll be back with some more. Keep that tea hot and ready, baby. And that's all this week for Mort Mike. I would like to thank specifically our donors from last year, Laura, the Goulias family, Vermilion, Luke, Shay, Courtney, and Sue for your very kind donations to our podcast to help us stay on the air. We will be selecting soon by random means somebody from the group of people to pick an episode topic for us in the future. So stay tuned for one of our following episodes to find out who won and what their topic was. Connect with us on our socials at Facebook and YouTube at Mort Mike Podcast. And if you have any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear about or burning questions you might have about death, shoot us an email at mortmikepodcast at gmail.com. A huge thanks to Joey, our dedicated studio gopher, Marson Music for our theme, Deputies of Death, and Macklin Legan for our custom icons and banners. Uh, be sure to tune in the first Thursday of every month for more casual discussions on death. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Mort Mike. Bye. Bye. See ya.